I am pleased to bring to you today from the Great Britain powerlifting team, Terry Matthews, introduced to me by Wildman. Him and Wildman connected on the socials, and we went and had a meal recently in Guildford. And Terry's story wow, he's been arrested 15 times. And if you've seen the picture, which is going to pop up right now on the video and is also on the thumbnail, you can see how big Terry was at the peak. Now, this is also a serious story with some lessons and some information about mental illness because Terry was actually arrested 15 times. At the peak of his humongous size, <laughs> he was melting down. And I'll give you one example. One of the stories he told us was um, he was on the tube. And everyone had their phones out. And he just stands up. And he's like, I know you're all filming me. Turn your phones off right now. And because he's so big, they're all like, bam. They're all like hiding the phones. Terrified of him. But before we get to that then. That happened more than once. Believe me. <laughs> that happened more than once, believe me. Yeah, my, my, I had a natural fear of... Uh, of uh, people using phones around me and stuff like that. I was so, so wrapped up in it, you know? It's tragicomical because some of the stories, we were laughing, but at the end of the day, it, it, you know, people uh, were afraid. And, and, and well, we'll get, we'll get to all that. Before we start, GB team, powerlifter. Yep. So what kind of, how big were you at your peak and what kind of powerlifting so, did you do? So the powerlifting obviously as a sport is it's obviously one, one sport and, and you do what you do. Um, so for me, it was just a gradual process. So the whole the whole process is you enter local competitions. Once you, if you win those and you qualify those and you lift a certain weight, you go to the next level and the next level and the next level. Uh, and then eventually, obviously, you end up at a national level. And if you win your nationals, um, then obviously you get then invited to compete for for Great Britain. Is this like standard squats, bench presses, deadlifts? Yeah, that's it, yeah. Bench, deadlift and squat. Um, you obviously have to live a certain weight to, to categorize yourself in the next sort of level. Uh, and then once you've done that, then again, once you get to a national level, really, that's kind of where it, it ends in in the country, obviously. And then uh, if you win that, or I think you have to come first or second in that, uh, I won my category and then that was it. Then obviously you get uh, get the option to go and compete for the country. So what weightlifting level are you at then? What weights? Uh, so uh, right now, as I sit here, well, uh, back then, uh, back then. Oh, okay, back then. Oh, okay, yeah. so um, I was probably benching about about four. I think it's a lot of American viewers. I think it's four hundred and forty pound. Four hundred forty pounds. Yeah, something like that. Um, deadlift. Uh, I can't I really. I can't know what it is. All in pounds, maybe six hundred, something like that. Um, all I can do is the bar chest pressing these days. I reckon we should pump you up, Sean, and get you there, mate. <laughs> I did get up to ten pounds on each side at the gym recently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then um, and obviously you, then you've got your squat, which would, again would probably around four and a half hundred, something like that. Uh, around that kind of mark. Um, pounds squats. Yeah, yeah. If I tried to do that now, I think I'd fold in half like a cardboard box. But uh, yeah, at, at that time, you know, I was bang on it and. Yeah, right up for it, and yeah, I just it, it became a savior really for me because it, it I was lifting weights all along. I boxed when I was younger, and then I started getting into the weights. Um, and in a in a looking back on it, really, it, it didn't do me any favors at the at the time because the bigger and stronger that I got, the more confident I got at challenging all these things that I thought were happening, and which then obviously led on to a lot of confrontation, and then obviously, like I said, led on to getting arrested and. 
uh, and there was kind of two big big uh, arrests for me that were ca you know catastrophic to my life really and then um yeah and then obviously later on it became a, a savior to me so powerlifting to me really has been uh, uh, really integrated in my life you know when were the first signs of things not being quite right in your head I think the day after I was born probably <laughs> um, it's, it's really like one of them things where you you can't you, you, there is no moment mm. there is no moment you go oh this isn't right because it's normal yeah it's normal it's just the way you are the first time uh, even when I was a kid four or five years old I set fire to the house set fire to the house uh, yeah. just for the fun of it it was just something I did I don't know why yeah. I did it you know I remember doing it yeah but I, I have no idea why I did it and I was always like a troubled kid but mm -hmm. back then you know i'm 35 now back then you're just a naughty kid there's no you know there's nothing to there's nothing out there where you're gonna go all right okay let's give him this medication or let's see him this therapist or let's see that specialist yeah. it didn't exist back then you know yeah not, not massively or if it did it was so much in its infancy that it, it you know it wasn't it wasn't something that uh was mainstream or that you had access to you know yeah and what kind of damage did the fire cause to the house uh it burnt well, I obviously set the fire in my bedroom. Okay, uh, and it, and it burnt basically all my bedroom out. But luckily, <sighs> at some point, obviously, it must have twigged in my head. Oh, this is this is probably not quite safe. Yeah. So I decided to to run downstairs and I said the first thing I said to my mum apparently at the time, which my mum later told me was it wasn't me. And she and she was like, all right, what wasn't you? There's a fire <laughs> upstairs. Oh, shit. And then oh. obviously, yeah, she went upstairs and uh, managed to sort it out. But uh, yeah, that wasn't a good day. So that, you, that was the start of it, really. So did, you have that, a, uh, did you have a normal family life then, would you say? Yeah, pretty much. Brothers and yeah. sisters? Yeah, one brother, one sister. Everyone got along? Yeah, everyone was fine. I mean, I've, obviously, um, it's one of them situations where it's it's just a everyday house, I guess. I mean, it was just a it was a normal situation. What part of England did you grow up in? Down south, so all my family uh from East Ham. Okay. Yeah, um, uh, I grew up in uh, Berkshire, um, which is obviously not far from here, um, but it was a relatively normal normal upbringing. But uh, you know, every step of the way throughout, you know, I've kind of got injected into the system, so to speak, if you like, at the youngest age you can imagine. You know, when I was at school, uh, the first time I got arrested, I was I think ten or eleven. Ten? What was that for? Uh, smashing windows. Um, uh, and then again, when I was about twelve, we got uh, arrested for shoplifting. Okay. Um, so uh, these aren't really out of the ordinary things for kids no no not at all not really but then you know when i was at school i would have instances where uh, you know you're in a classroom and you're thinking to yourself I, I i just couldn't cope with being in that environment you know sitting still to me is even now at 35 even after everything and you know years of trying to sort of understand yourself really you it's still a struggle and there's still times right now like i'll give you an example uh back then at school i would be sitting in a classroom i just think I can't handle this. And so the only way for me to get out of that classroom, if you can't just get up and walk out because obviously you can't do that, the teacher would stop you from doing it or whatever it may be. So I just pick a chair up and throw it through the window. Wow. Because it's just like, well, fuck it. I know you ain't going to keep me in it now. I know I'm definitely, if I chuck this chair out the window, yeah. I'm fucking definitely getting out of it. Yeah. And so I, I would just do that. And yeah. then uh, there was another time where I set fire to the classroom. Um, you know, that was a running theme, apparently. <laughs> so I set fire to the classroom in a maths class. I just thought, fuck it, bang, and just lit, lit a match and chucked it and wow. let's set a fire. Um, and eventually then I was taken out of the like the mainstream aspect of the school and put into a, what uh, I think they called it a progress unit at the time. Yeah. And, you know, 
that was a hell of an eye opener because there was kids in there. There was one dude that in there that attacked his sister with a knife. Yeah. There was another geezer in there that had done uh, like driven a car into a, a shop window or something like that. And it, it was, you know, proper looking back on it, really dysfunctional kids that, that obviously needed help. Yeah. And when you're thrown amongst all that, it creates a frustration because, you know, that just brewed anger. You know what I mean? Because then I was thinking, I don't want to be here. And then I, now I'm mixing with these people that I don't want to be around. And then like there was, I'll give you an example. I made friends with one fella. Uh, I won't say his second name, but his first name was Darren. And we went, he asked me if I wanted to go to his house one day. So we went to his house and his brother was shooting heroin up in the front room. His, his mom and dad were like screaming at each other. And uh, it, it was just insane. But the, he was just like, it's just, it was just his life. That was normal. Yeah. And, you know, when I walked in there, I was like, what the fuck? You know, this is fucking madness, you know? But it was just, it was normal for him, you know? And what, when did they first get you on meds? Uh, they first tried when I was probably about 18. Um, and I did not, did not. My, a lot of my problem, to be honest with you, was um, I had a resistance to it. Yeah. You know, and the problem is, it's like I got diagnosed uh, initially with uh depression right i've never been depressed in my life mm -hmm. but i went to the doctor and he kind of took it upon himself and he said right okay uh you've obviously he, he thought i had depression so he prescribed me antidepressants well that was the worst thing he could have done because i took these antidepressants and all it did was just fucking skyrocket me up because i've got a thing what they call schizoaffective disorder so if you had schizophrenia here and bipolar here it's kind of somewhere in the middle so you get, so affective disorder yeah, so is so, that like bipolar with hallucinations or something uh you get paranoid you get um uh you kind of think things that aren't real um you um get very frustrated because you know someone's doing something in here in here is as real as you could possibly imagine but when you confront that person like i did several times you get yourself in a situation where they obviously haven't done anything wrong, whereas you don't believe that. And then before you know it, you're and either fighting or you're, you're doing whatever you're doing. You know? And the first time you had a confrontation like that, you were paranoid, but you believed it was true. Was that in your teens then? Yeah, I mean, I would do stuff like the first time, really, like I said, there's never really a moment where you, it just becomes, oh, right, this isn't right. But it's, so it's just in a series of events that happen. And this is something that I've looked back on and realized. But you... Like, I'll give you an example. So one, one time I was at home, I phoned someone. Uh, this is when mobiles just sort of first came out. So this was back in, I was probably about 18 at the time. Uh, and they phoned us and they didn't pick up their phone. Well, that just sparked me off then because I was thinking, right, you, you haven't picked up your phone. The reason you haven't picked up your phone is because you're kind of plotting against me. All right? And that was rationalized by you're having a meeting where you're with somebody and you're talking about me. So I just jumped in my car, straight over to the house, on the door, just it just exploded on them and they're like what is going on and then before i know it i'm i'm in this situation now where i'm stood in this person's house i'm i've completely and utterly um lost my temper and I, bear in mind i'm just an 18 year old kid at the time i've completely lost my temper and you're just shouting about complete fantasy really you know but in your mind it's it's completely real yeah you know? so yeah. that would just be one small that happens several times you know people will come to the house and and this was later on in life as well. When I, you know, I'm I'm getting bigger and more angry and 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 really going for the weights and stuff. People come in. I go right, stand there. <laughs> I'm making sure they haven't got nothing on them. So you know, it's like, and, and now, like I said before, it, it, you get this experience where 
like uh, in, in sort of preparation for this, really, I've been talking to people about behaviors back then because there's been, you know, a real peaceful period for me. And the last, well, ever since I was probably maybe 28, 29, I've had a real peaceful life, much uh, to the dismay of my my wife because she's been the catalyst for that. You know, <laughs> so she takes yeah. a lot of the burden, unfortunately, for her. But, you know, um, I've actually had a good, nice, clean period. So a lot of those relationships that I was spoiled have mended. So now I've had an opportunity to speak to those people and find out their opinions of stuff that happened back then. Yeah. And it's really been quite enlightening because back then they were just too terrified to confront it and challenge your behaviors because obviously they're worried about your reaction. Yeah. And now they feel like they can tell me the truth, which yeah. is, you know, which has been nice. So I imagine these incidences then are getting bigger and more scary for the people around you it became more confrontational because i became more confident so i've always been quite a um confrontational person you know i've I never really had an issue of if someone's doing something and i don't want them to do it i've kind of always sort of said listen stop doing that you know what i mean uh and as i got older obviously i got physically more imposing you become more aggressive on the back of that because people uh, uh what's the word um retract more which makes you more paranoid which makes you more angry where then before you know it you're you're fucking like motherfuckers everyone is dying do you know what i mean and that that is it you know and and i was just yeah you it, it escalated massively escalated to be honest yeah i mean it would get to the point where i would just shout at a room full of people make sure that everyone fucking knew i was in fucking charge and they were going to listen so how many arrests did you have in your teens um in my teens maybe nine or ten maybe and what were the stories around them nothing just typical kid stuff the stuff we talked about okay. you know uh, there was a you know shoplifting smashing some windows we um drink driving as i got a bit older um uh, we got arrested one time because there was a there was a house party and some people were doing things they shouldn't be police turned out there's some drugs there and stuff like that so nothing the trivial stuff really happened in my younger years, you know. It, es it only escalated really as I could become more unwell. Yeah. Then it started to ramp up and and get more serious. And know? how did that manifest the ramping up? It manifested just purely through uh, my rejection of any help for it. Yeah. Um, ironically, the, the, the really the person that my mum pushed a lot when I was younger for me to be um, supported in some way um which i just rejected more because uh, it was very angry like i was you know very frustrating to be told sit down stop doing this relax stop doing that you can't be doing that that, that behavior is not right and you just make you feel like well, what the fuck is wrong with me like why is everyone on my case yeah um and it angers the shit out of me really and it's still now i even to the day i have to check myself because someone will say listen can you not do that and i'll think who the fuck are you to tell me not to do something do you know what i mean and yeah. then and obviously, I have to then take the reality of, look, you're an adult. You need to stop behaving in X way, you know? So what was the first bigger arrest then in your 20s? So the the first, well, there was two really big main ones. Um, the, the first one was, well, there was a kind of a build-up to this. I'll, I'll go to yeah, the build-up. Build yeah, I'll do the yeah. build-up. So the build-up was, I was in my younger years, in my 20s, like in my early 20s, I um, had just semi-normal life. Um, uh, and I was in a relationship that it, it, I'm still friends with her now to this day, the, uh, the girl that I was in a relationship with. Um, uh, she's, a, she's a good person, um, but it just wouldn't work out. And, and kind of, I think looking back on it, her way of trying to deal with me at that time and my behaviors was to try and pin me down. So I'd do things like go out, 
uh, get smashed, jump in the car, drive the car back, just abandon the car somewhere. That, that you know what I mean? Those kind of behaviors. And then um, she would try and pin me down. Well, because of obviously my previous experiences, the more she tried to pin me down, the more angry I got about it, the more I would then act out and do other stuff. So she'd say, listen, where have you been? You know, you've not been here for a couple of days. Well, fuck it, right? You're not going to see me for a week now. And then that would it. I'd just disappear. And, you know, where have you been? Well, I've been out. You know what I mean? And that was kind of my attitude, really. So it, it didn't help. Um, and I think her way of confronting it didn't help either. So it just it was just never going to work. But she is a good person. And i got, you know, nothing bad to say about her. Um, and um, so that that kind of frustration built up. Eventually, that all then sort of imploded on itself. And I was in a situation where... It was, I was working for a firm now. This is kind of, I shouldn't laugh really because it's, it's not funny, but it is funny at the same time. I I, I, I uh, was working for a firm and they, this has happened multiple times in my life as well. Basically, I worked somewhere at that time for X amount of time. Eventually, they just pay you to leave, right? Because they're just like, look, I, I, we don't know what the fuck to do with you. You just got, you know, we just want you gone. So they don't- So you mean I, a legit company, not a gangster firm? No, no, like a legit company. So okay. like, like, okay. Uh, like okay. literally, literally they would say, I had this uh, one instance, I literally had someone sat down me in a room and say, look, you know, your behaviour's, you, you, you're scaring people, you can't, you can't. What was your this. profession and how are you scaring people? Well, I'm a mechanic. Okay. All right. And so it's very male orientated. Well, I don't particularly get on being around too many blokes. You know I mean? In a male orientated uh, environment, I don't, I don't, I don't uh, flourish, so we say, because I, I've got this natural thing where I don't, I don't not being around it too much, you know? And so I would just go out of my way to make it uncomfortable for them to make sure they then they would then leave me alone <laughs> so like there would be someone walking apart walking through the garage and i'd just be like do you know what i mean just staring them down like for no <laughs> no real reason and uh and just yeah just stuff like that you know what i mean just uh just generally going out my way to intimidate people so, you're, you're quite big already yeah 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 i was massive yeah yeah so you know by this point i'm probably 18 19 stone you know, wow. so I'm, I'm, I was big and imposing, and, and it, it was intentional, uh, to be honest with you. And you know, this is not something I'm proud of, by the way. I'll just put that out there. This is, I've grown up massively since then, and, and obviously got, uh, you know, better. But I would do things like that anyway, you know. And um, uh, somehow, somewhere, I ended up becoming, a get, uh, getting a job as a manager somewhere. Well, that was fucking the worst thing that could ever happen to me, right? Because that just made the whole situation worse. Because then I had people having to come to me. Which then wound me up even more, which made me more angry, which made me then obviously in turn get back on uh, even more. So, and what uh, what are you saying to them when you're getting angry at them? Oh, mate, I would just I would do anything and everything. So I always kind of so they're coming to you. As, you're, no, okay, you're the so superior let me you, in this business. Yeah, yeah, I'm a superior in this business. But they're, bear in mind, at this time, right, I'm an untreated, unmedicated. Uh, uh, the, this condition is untreated, and unmedicated. So at this time. Um, if I saw a van outside, I'm, straight away I'm thinking, right, this fucker, this cunt outside is um, poisoning the water main. <laughs> All right, so then I'd be like, motherfucker! So then I'd, we want to go outside and just go and confront like this random repair dude out there. I go, listen, cunt, you're going in that fucking drain and you're going to get smashed. And and then it, just randoms, random stuff like that. You know what I mean? So this is all one big fantasy in my mind going on at this time. You know, I'm really unwell, to be honest with you, at that time. Can I say a quick question? Go on. At this point then, because you're so big, all these people you're confronting, are they backing away from you because they're scared mm. or some of them actually start standing up to you? A few a few did. Uh, a few did, obviously, you know. Um, but I think most people, look, talking to people now, like present day, about stuff that was going on back then, they would reckon, they kind of said, most people knew that you weren't well. 
Okay. You know, um, most people knew that you weren't well, so they would just try and because they were unpredictable because you're not well. Everyone kind of knew that. Um, the guy who made your manager didn't know that. No, no, no. Because obviously you, you just go for an interview and then, you know, you come across the right in the interview, you get the job and then before you know it, you're a fucking lunatic running around in a garage <laughs> with fucking saws and hammers and everything everywhere. There's people trying to pause on the water main. There's other people fucking like, you know, trying to put bugs on your cars and stuff like that. And I'm just like, what the f trying to keep on top of all of this. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I've got a customer saying, you know, where's the where, where's my car? It's like, it meant to be MIT. And I'm thinking, look, fuck your car, man. There's people out there trying to kill us. So are you fucking listening? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah it wasn't going well for me back then you know what i mean it was it was a fucking nightmare but i tell you how that job come to an end and i'll tell you i'll tell you how, what led to the first big arrest okay so uh eventually that one that particular job came to an end because the manager obviously was one of them situations where he was like obviously this dude's gotta go like you know i wasn't even working there that long to be honest um this he was obviously thinking that this this fella's just he's gotta go so i um I was in this room, right, and it's probably about as big as this. Okay, so I'm in this room, and this this fella is talking, he's talking, he's talking, right. So as he's talking, I'm realizing, okay, I'm I'm not I'm not I'm just about to lose my job. I'm starting to realize now, all right, and I'm thinking, well, the reason he's trying to make you lose your job is because he wants to cut off your finances, and if you cut off your finances, you become more desperate, then you're going to be homeless, which is then going to lead you to being arrested, and eventually they're going to put you in a dungeon in Broadmoor. So this was the conversation I'm having myself, thinking, fucking motherfucker. I didn't, I didn't see it. And I'm angry at myself because I didn't see, I couldn't, I didn't, I didn't sort of preempt that this dude was working for them. Right? Whoever these people were in my mind. So I'm like, nah, mate, this ain't, this ain't right. So I was like, right. I said to him, you're a hostage. And he was like, what? So uh, he was, he was like, what, what, you know? And then he visibly was nervous at that point. So I like bear up the filing cabinet and put it against the door. And I was like, yeah, you ain't going anywhere until you tell me everything that's going on. And um, as some, as that whole conversation sort of happened. And I was like, I want to know what's going on. Who are you talking to? Who are you working for? Blah, blah, blah. And this is like an independent garage, like just this random fella. And you know what is this? Did? Is this your superior? Yeah, this is the geezer that owns the garage. Okay, this right. is the owner, the garage yeah, no, owner. The garage you owner, yeah, yeah. Kidnapped the garage owner. Yeah, now. so I'm just like, well, I, I can't, well, I, I wouldn't call that kidnapping, <laughs> temporarily borrowing, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so I put this filing cabinet against the, the door, and then I just started questioning him. I was like, listen, you work for me now. And this is what's happening, <laughs> right? So, so this is what's going on. This is what's happening. And uh, you know, you're, you're working for me, fella, and uh, you're not going anywhere. So you need to get comfortable because you ain't going anywhere until I'm satisfied, like basically. And um, yeah, so I just like quit, quizzed him for a, a while. And um, do you know what I did eventually? What? He jumped out the window. <laughs> Tell me this was a one story building, not a two story. No, no, no. This was like on a ground level. So, oh, ground but, level. But okay. He, he saw an opportunity and he jumped out the window. Yeah. Yeah. Jumped out, the window was open, not through the glass. No, 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 not through the glass. The window was open okay. and, it, it, and it was like a, one of them swivel windows, you know? Yeah. And it was open a bit anyway. So I turned my back because I'm obviously ranting and raving, pacing back and forth. <laughs> I, and he, I'm like, mother, you know, kicking off and, and, and assuming in my kind of paranoia that this, this is what this fellow has been doing. And uh, I just sort of saw this. You know what I mean? And I thought, well, I'm worried worried about that. And I thought, there's no weapons there or anything. He's not reaching for anything. And I just see him go, just push the window open. And I was like, oh. and then I turned my back, carried on ranting. And then before I know it, I just saw these feet go. 
<laughs> dive. Yeah, dive. sort of dived out the window. <laughs> and uh, then I thought, right, there's no cameras in here. There's no evidence for this. I'm going to move the filing cabinet back and this never happened. And then, <laughs> so that's it. I'm bouncing. So then I jumped in my car and fucked off. <sighs> yeah. And he still paid me. Because <laughs> he was scared? Yeah, probably, he yeah. looking for the money. i never seen that dude again after that. He paid me and I never saw him again. That was it. That was, and so that was part of the build-up. Oh, and he never contacted the authorities or anything. No, nope, didn't do fuck all. Nothing. Wow. Nothing. Um, wow. So he, uh, he, he did, knew better, didn't he? Well, I don't know why he didn't. To be honest with you, because uh, you know that not uh, you know to give you an example of how unwell I was at that time. On the flip side of that, it's like, like present day, I can look back on that and think that poor bastard must have been terrified. Do you know what I mean? And as a well person now, I can actually look at that and go. That geezer must have fucking been terrified. Yeah. Terrified. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there was no way he was going to overpower me. There was no way he was going to get himself out of that situation. There was no way that... It, it, I don't know what would have been going through his mind. You know, he would have been absolutely terrified. And and I am... If he ever watches this, this fella, I genuinely am sorry about that. That was, that was, that, that was bad. And, and it, you know, Because it's easy that. to laugh at these stories, isn't it? Yeah. And what, it's only the, later the on. you got to see what the victims at the time, how they must have felt. I mean, the size of you, you could have just snapped the necks or something, basically. Exactly. You? Yeah. And, and, and the other power. thing... And to be honest with you, I've seen people... Later on, and I guess we'll get into that, but later on when I ended up in the hospitals and stuff like that, I seen people that were, seven stone went through that was, yeah, you would have a trouble getting control of these people because some people that are not well, they are wild, like wild. Got a lot yeah. of strength, haven't they? A lot of strength, but but they just mentally, they panic. It's, there's a lot of this stuff, you know, uh, it's panic, you know, it's blind panic. And at, you got to bear in mind, so I'm, I'm now taking this fella and I, I've put this thing against the door and I, he sat there and I'm inquisiting. But the, why am I doing that? The question you got to ask yourself is why am I doing that? The reason I'm doing that is because I'm scared. Is I was panicking. Because I'm thinking, why are these people doing this to me? You yeah. know, yeah, because I was delusional. You know what I mean? I was, yeah. wasn't well. Um, and, and so there is a, there's always a, another reason to it. So someone that's not well is acting out in a certain way that um, they're doing it for a reason the reason being is they're scared they're panicking they're anxious you know what i mean it's, and i think it's... people who are watching this some people might be going through hard times and having symptoms like what you're describing and i think this video might help some of those people uh, to be honest with you uh, that, that's why i did it that's why I've just, that's why i kind of agreed to do this and and kind of put you know obviously when i was speaking to wild man speaking to yourself it, it, that, that was one of my main reasons to do it because the only time you ever see any of this stuff is on the 10 o'clock news when someone's put an accent in the back of someone's head. Yeah. And and the fact is, I, I personally believe that you've got to have that in you to do it anyway. Yeah. And the, the, the illness just builds up to that. You know what I mean? Um, And yeah, so anyway, that that was that. So that that was the pre... Uh, uh, what's the word? Prerequisite? Prerequisite? Pre so did you just no, put like, the cabinet back and just walk out of there? Yeah, because, but I, I didn't just go back. I went somewhere else because I was thinking, well, if the police do turn up, I don't want to be at home because... There was kind of uh, obviously on the forefront of my mind all the time is being captured. And when you, know? you walked out of there, had everybody skedaddled because they didn't want to be around? This was after hours. So he stopped it, me after was, work. Yeah. Ah, okay. So his tactic was that guy, whenever he was letting someone go, because I saw a few people uh, leave there, he would always ask them to stay on a Friday. And on a Friday, he would then, after work, tell them, you know, that's kind of the end of it. And so that was one of the things that led me going into that room. I, I know what's coming. And then obviously when he started talking, he was trying to stay very calm and, and trying to be like, listen, you know, maybe there's going to be more opportunities going forward and blah, blah, blah. And he was sort of talking like that. And I'm thinking, nah, 
You're just trying to pull the ball over my eyes now, mate. You're gonna you work for me now. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. That that was it. So that I, I said to him, like, you know, I'm not fucking around. Like, and 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 at the start of it, I was just talking. You know, listen, I'm not fucking around. You're not going anywhere. You know, so just get yourself comfortable because you can ask him some questions. Yeah, that was that was the start of it. And then when he kind of when he was starting to realize, well, hang on a minute, this is. This is building into something now, and then he was trying to. He tried to like be a little bit confrontational back to, to to try and I guess trying to dampen me down a bit, but that just angered me more. And then that was that was when I I stood up and was like, right, filing cabinet, boss, you ain't going anywhere, mate. You know this is fucking for real. Like you ain't going anywhere. So where did uh, your head after the incident? My head is sheer panic because I'm thinking police, thinking you know where this is. You know, obviously the police are going to get called. That was, that was in my time. So I, I kind of, uh, I, well, from there, I went straight to somebody else's house. They obviously didn't know anything that had gone on. And um, I just stayed, stayed around there for a while. And yeah, that was, that was really kind of it. Eventually, obviously, I had to go home. But my home at that time um, uh, wasn't a, a great place to be. So, I, you know, it wasn't a, a wonderful place to be. So anyway, yeah, so that's, that's why. So is your behavior it. then gone back to more... Closest to normal. At no, no, no. This was this was just that, that was just the start. That was just the build up. Oh, like, okay, this yeah, is the beginning. Yeah, this, this is the beginning. This is where this is where it really starts to ramp up. So after that, what happened? You know, how, very close to after that. So to give you an idea, this is um, uh, I went for a uh, I think um, uh, Starbucks coffee, uh, which is attached to a Sainsbury's. So obviously you've got hundreds of people going in and out because it's a Sainsbury's and it's a, a Starbucks, right? So I, I go to a have a coffee with a friend of mine and me and her are sat there and now this is about a week after that incident <laughs> so about which ironically it does actually tie together but it is totally separate instances but in my head at the time it tied together so i thought to myself we're so, anyway, sorry yeah we're having this coffee we're sat down we're having this coffee and we're just having a normal chat well out of nowhere another friend of mine just strolls in and i that is just a normal thing to do. It's a Sainsbury's. Yeah, it's a Starbucks. It's a Sainsbury's. There's a petrol station there. You're going to bump into people you know. It's normal. Well, at that time, I was thinking, fuck, he's going to kill her. And now they're going to blame it on me. And that's how they're going to get me. And so they've got no evidence for what happened last week. So now these two tied together. He's going to kill her. She's the sacrificial lamb. I'm fucked. I need to get the fuck out of here. So I was like, okay, I'm going. So I decided what I'm going to do is I'm going to go into Sainsbury's and I'm going to make like a bit of a commotion. Not a commotion, but like make sure people know that I'm there. Uh, so they all know. No murder weapon. I'm good. I'm I'm safe. I'm not I'm not doing anything you're wrong. You're creating an alibi. I'm creating an alibi in my head. Yeah, I'm creating an alibi. Murder's going to go down that you're going to get framed exactly for. Exactly that. Exactly that. So I'm like, right. So I go into Sainsbury's. I'm like, at cameras, waving at cameras. <laughs> I'm having elongated with people working behind the counters, just chatting absolute shit, uh, just so they remember my face and like saying and doing distinctive things that I think, well, they're definitely going to remember me. So I, anyway, I do that for sort of 15 minutes or so. And what, then I, what's your definition of a distinctive thing? Um, just chatting about stuff that, you know, just making conversation that a customer out of Sainsbury's wouldn't make. <laughs> like so, what? I don't know, just chatting about random, like football and just just bringing stuff up, just talking about, uh, you know, oh, you know, I don't know, I like your hair looks nice, your makeup looks good, <laughs> you know what I mean, black man back, just, just making conversation where people are definitely going to remember me. You know, talking with a raised voice, all, all things that... 
<laughs> All things that are going to make you know. <laughs> Can you give an example of talking with a raised voice? <laughs> Talking okay, I'll go through it right. So I, okay, so I'm doing all this right. I'm yeah. going. I'm doing all that, and um, all this is going on. So I'm thinking right. Okay, so I've I've been here long enough now. People know who I am. You know what I mean? Blah blah. blah. People know I'm here. I'm like I intentionally bumped into a couple of people, <laughs> and I'm like sorry mate, sorry mate. And then like you know, remember me? So I'm doing all this on purpose. And, I'm like, right, I got now I've got to get the fuck out of here. I've made my point. Everyone knows I'm here. No problem. If the police come in here, they're gonna know I was here. hundred percent. So I've been here, they they remember me. Uh, they, security on you by now, security. No, they're doing shit, right? Okay. What have you got better in mind? I'm like 18 stone. And, but, <laughs> I, 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 well, I'll give you a couple of examples of that later on. But <clears throat> so I drive home. As I'm driving back, I'm thinking, right, I've got to get in my car, I've got to drive home, I've got to fill a duffel bag up of clothes, and I've got to get the fuck out of it. Right? I'm I'm leaving the country. That that and, and my version of events at that time. Was going to Wales was leaving the country. That that was my haven apparently, <laughs> Wales. So I I live lived rather not live now, but I lived right literally on top of the M4. Like it was like less than a mile away. So I'm thinking, bosh, jump on the M4, shoot off to Wales. Got family in Wales. I had an uncle there uh, that I trust, and it'll keep me safe. Bosh, done. All right, that is my fucking master plan. So I'm I'm driving back to my my mum phones. Me. I was like, listen, mum, this is what's going on. She's like, what's going on? I was like, listen. Uh, I'm not going to say these people's names, obviously, but you know, such and such is going to kill such and such, and uh, they're trying to frame me for it. And she's like, "Listen, you're not well. You need to come back. Uh, we need to take you to the doctor." Blah blah blah. I'm like, "No, no, listen, no, nah, fuck that." And then I'm thinking, "No, no, no, listen, I've got to go all the time on the phone. They can track the phone. Bang, gone. Right." So that that was the end of that. Get back to the house. Get a, get a bag. Like, really didn't have any money. Obviously, I lost my, lost my job. <laughs> so I didn't have loads and loads of money. So it's not as if I had bundles of cash. Uh, Chuck load of stuff into a duffel bag. Jump in the car. As I'm getting down towards the M4, I'm thinking, right, bang, right, I'm, I see it, there. bang, there's no police. I'm like constantly looking around for police and stuff. Sweet. I'm good. I'm golden. I'm free. I'm getting out of here, right? So I'm thinking maybe you get from Wales, I can jump across to Ireland, fuck off to America or something. Do you know what I mean? In my head, I'm just, this is all coming on. Uh, and then I get onto the M4, and all of a sudden, I just, I get this feeling just, boom, just drains on me. And do you know, have you ever had a moment, well, you obviously have had a moment in your life where, you just the blood goes from your face and you get this sinking feeling you just think I'm fucked yeah because I think and that's what I had and I thought they can bug the car I'm gonna have to ditch the car so oh fuck so I'm on the M4 now bear in mind so and at this time as well right I was every time I not every time but a lot of the times when I would watch films I feel like the film was giving me a message and so I I, I would even to this day like obviously I've still got this condition this is still something I have to live with but the difference between being well and not well is that you can rationalize it and you can use your intelligence to interpret it for stuff and you know um, so, but anyway at that time you see that film Enemy of the State oh yeah he's got all the pictures on the walls and stuff yeah yeah bugging, bugging the clothes yes yeah bang so I'm like right I'm gonna dump the car off then I'm thinking well obviously because of that they could bug my clothes. Bosh, fuck the clothes off. Right, straight up, straight up. You're so, on the freeway, naked now. No, I'm not naked. I've just got my boxer shorts okay. on. Okay. Right. So and and I took the inner the inner sole out of my trainers and um and, and just put my trainers back on because I was right. thinking right, there's definitely no bug in there. I can use my trainers. So you're so, just muscled out in your boxers and your shoes, jogging down the hard shoulder. The hard shoulder yep. of the motorway. Yep. So and I'm like off I go. So now this is a, probably about junction twelve or thirteen. Of the M4, um, a little tourist attraction there for are everyone. People like right? beeping at you or anything. Like, oh what? fuck yeah! 
I've got lorries going past. <laughs> fucking people. Beep, 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 as I'm going past. Getting wolf whistles. Well, this is obviously a motorway, so these are whizzing by at like 70 yeah, miles an hour. Yeah. So this went on for hours. So I'm on this hard shoulder, like walking and jogging and walking and jogging and walking and jogging. And I'm thinking, I know it's just a straight line to Wales, so I'm just going to keep fucking going. So by the time I have been on there for like, and I'm talking hours now, I can't really think exactly how long, but it was a long time. Yeah. Obviously, the police then turn up. You know, because maybe some people going past wondered what was going on. Maybe some people passed, thought I'd just broken down. I happened to have a pair of shorts on. Because you got to bear in mind, this is like summertime, you mm -hmm. know. And maybe they're thinking it's just shorts. I don't know what the fuck people were thinking, to be honest with you. I wasn't really worried about that. I was just thinking, get the fuck out of it. So, you wasn't worried about some horny trucker trying to pick you up. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, mate, I was pretty big. So I'd have been in top position, to be honest. <laughs> if it's going to happen, it'll be that way around. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyways <laughs> yeah no nah, definitely not mate fucking hell no don't get any ideas so i um uh so yeah obviously the police then come in they're like you know you know like sort of trying to obviously stop me and and sort of say where you going i'm like listen man i'm, I'm going to wales they're like no no you're not <laughs> And they're like, well, you know, you, we've picked your car up now, and you know, you, you, you that's it. Like, so you, is this all I said? Is this one cop car has pulled over with one policeman? No, no, two, two, two policemen. Well, that's right, a policeman and a policewoman. Policeman, policewoman in one car. One car, pull in. Uh, obviously wondering what what's going on. So within thirty seconds, thirty seconds, that's it. We was having a tussle, right? So I, I'm you're wrestling the cop now. Oh yeah, yeah, proper, you know. Because I'm in, in, I'm panic stations. I'm thinking this is it. In my head, he's done the murder. This is them now getting me. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. You know what I mean? And and like if that anything gets across with this story is that you've got to imagine this is real. Because that's how it feels. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm like now, he's done the murder. This is now them getting me for it. I've got to get the If I don't fucking get out of this, I'm <laughs> fucked because I'm going in the dungeon for the rest of my life. And I imagine one policeman is not going to stand a chance. No, against fuck no. You. no, 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 no. So I was like ragdolling him all over the place, and it's like fucking get the fuck off me. You know what I mean? And uh, eventually, obviously, you get that CS spray in your face. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, bundled into the car, they sprayed it in my face. When I was in the car, they had to pull the car over and get a van because they'd sprayed. It was it was on my clothes and whatnot. So, so backup has arrived. No, no. So we pull off the, we get in the car, pull off the motorway, but then obviously this is then getting in their face. So they pull in the car over uh, and get a van. Mm. And so I get put in the van, taken to the police station. I can't, uh, I can't remember what police station it was I went to, to be honest with you. But when I get in there, when you go, I don't know if you would obviously know when you've, when you've been arrested, you obviously have to see the doctor. Well, I saw the doctor. The doctor was like, listen, we're fucking wasting your time with this cunt. Do you know what I mean? You got to get the, you know, he's not, you're wasting your time. So I end up getting put into a place called Prospect Park, which is an assessment unit for mental health. Um, it's a hospital. Uh, and from there, you obviously have a stick and they can detain you. I think it's a section two or something for like six months or something like that. And so they do an assessment, right? Well, they decide that I'm not kind of any harm to anyone. I'm obviously just ill. So then they moved me from there to this place called um, Glenfield House, I think it was called, Glenf Glenfield or Glenfield House, something like that. And I was there for 
probably nine nine months or a year. Nine months or a year. Yeah, a long time. But that place was wasn't too bad. The people there were okay. Can um, you set the scene and describe what it's yeah, like? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so what? Well, okay, well, so the hospital obviously is a secure hospital. So when you're in the hospital, it's like you're not going anywhere. You can't go in a car park. You can't go anywhere. You're not allowed access to any of your property because they obviously have to do these assessments to make sure that you're not going to hurt yourself. Um, and then when I when you initially go there, you get put into one place and then you get put onto whatever ward it is they deem you to be fit for. So I ended up getting put onto a, a I think it was called Bluebell Ward. And when you're in there, you can't have anything, right? Which to me, I was getting more frustrated. Now, bearing in mind, to be blunt, I was pretty like, you know, suffering with kind of like insanity at the time. And then you're surrounded by other people that are like, I've got these problems as well. And then before you know it, you're you're um, in this situation where it, it's like a minefield, really. You know what I mean? And I've seen some fucking, that was the cat one of the catalysts of me getting better and and embracing the treatment and 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 sort of analyzing it and making myself uh uh do the right thing for me as well was the seeing these other people it was like the empathy that i had for them made me realize that if you know this was obviously much later on made me realize that as long as i'm unwell and i can help myself if i don't help myself i'm taking from these people does that make sense you know what i mean did you get to hear their stories and their backgrounds? oh yeah yeah some crazy shit have, have mate. you got yeah. any of those you can describe Wow, there was some really sad cases. There was there was one uh, one guy in particular stands out. I'll never forget him for the rest of my life. Right, he was a professor at a university. I'm not going to say his name because obviously these people yeah are, keep real they, names you know, out of it. Yeah, because they 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 you know they're <coughs> ill people. Uh, and I I don't know what this guy's doing to this day, but he was a professor at a university, and he would tell you amazing stuff about string theory, about light years, about just it just talk to you about amazing stuff and then every now and then he'd come and knock on your door and he'd go listen when you get out of here I've got these glasses if you put them on you can see what fruit and veg has been genetically modified and it was just a pair of sunglasses with one lens missing and it's like harmless you know what I mean it's absolutely harmless bloke but what his story was his backstory to him is that he'd I think he had always had some type of mental health issue uh, but his wife had died and he oh. just had a full-on meltdown and, and couldn't handle it. And it just sent him over the edge. And he That's just so couldn't... sad, isn't it? Yeah, really sad. He, he was married to her for like 30-odd years. Oh. And he just... She used to do everything for him and, and really look after him. And, and it just imploded his world, like, you know, and he couldn't cope with it. There was another fellow I knew in there who had uh, been, like, catastrophically abused his entire life. Uh, later on, he ended <laughs> up killing himself. Um, he ended up hanging himself, um, which was really sad. There was... Uh, obviously, there was a lot of drug users in there that were for, for you know, there were obviously uh, drug-induced psychosis and that kind of stuff. Um, so there was some, yeah, really tragic cases in there. Um, but Glenfield wasn't as restrictive. But what they were doing there is at when Glenfield was being made. So just to set the scene, there. Uh, when I was a kid, the irony of this unbelievable. But when I was a kid, there was a place called Churchill House, which was an institute. So do you know like the old school institutes where they would like. Uh, house people with mental mental health issues and and uh, they would uh, but they would this was like a really old kind of it's still there Wait, today. flew over the cuckoo's nest. But that is it's it's not like that. The electroshock and nurse ratchet. And that yeah, kind of yeah, thing. shit, mate. That that that's kind of um, electric shock therapy. That's still going on today, by the way. Um, obviously, it's done in a completely different way, but it's now it's sort of done under general anaesthesia. But that is uh, that's pretty fucking harrowing. But did they do that to you in this place? No, no, no. They didn't do it to me. No, no. Uh, um, but later on in life, I actually became friends with the CPN that I had. 
Uh, the CPN is uh, what they call a psychiatric nurse, a community psychiatric nurse. So then when I was uh, out and about in the community, I was then assigned to a psychiatric nurse. And then later on when I was arrested for the second time uh, at, at, well, I say a second time as an adult um, for the, the the big event, so we, shall we say, uh, that I was put on a, what they call a mental health order. Um, and that pretty much means that if you don't go to them they come to you and if they then decide that you're not fit then you go back to a housing place you know um so i kind of lost my place for in the secure unit then you yeah, secure unit, glenfield. The yes so so yeah so from there so obviously I get put into glenfield now in glenfield <clears throat> to set the scene there it's basically it's i think it's been transformed now so you got to bear in mind this was in 2010 i think it's changed now to no, that would have been about 2008. So it would it's changed now to uh, a, a nursing home. Uh, but at that time, they had this place like uh, this institute, Churchill House. And then I th I'm not sure when it was, in the late 90s or sometime, everybody that was housed there, they decided to treat them in the community because it was like, the I think, it, as far as I'm aware, it was like one of the last kind of institute type places. I, I, that might not be fact, but as far as I'm aware, that was the case. And so they released all these people into the communities. And then when they did that, obviously they had all these people in communities that needed care. And so obviously that's when, I guess, later on down the line, all the CPNs and things like that come into place. But what they decided to do about, I guess, it, about two miles up the road, and they had this other place, this Glenfield. And when they first decided they were going to build that place, all the community around it, there was a big like petition to stop it from being built because mm. people didn't want it anymore, um, especially for what it was. And... Uh, I got to put in there. So when you go in there to set the scene, they're like a little, you got your own room uh, in the room. As you go through the door in the room on the left, uh, sorry, uh, in my room, it was on the right. Sorry. There was, there's a safe on the wall and they would lock everything like in there, like um, not valuables, but medication. And then every day they would come around and make sure you take your medication, make sure and so on and so forth. And then every now and then <clears> there was a couple of times that I got a little bit uh, sort of wound up in there. Uh, and then, and so there was like people in there and they would say, you know, look, we don't want you going out today. So sometimes you could go out, sometimes you couldn't go out. And when you say go out, that is like recreation kind of equivalent, like you go outside and. No, no. So you could actually, uh, some like most people in there uh, could go out, out, out. Like you into could, the world. Into the world, yeah. But obviously you had to be back and they would give you certain times. So you're only going to get put in there. It's like the next step down from the hospital. Yeah. So once you've been in the hospital, you've been assessed, they assign you to these kind of places. And when when I was in there, it was like, um, they've got the safe on the wall. You go in there. They will make sure you take your medications at certain times of the day and do what you had to do for like your therapy classes and that kind of stuff. And then uh, every now and then, if you were, you know, they sort of deemed you to be kind of not well on that day, or you're getting too, uh, you know, lively or whatever it may be, they would say, look, you know, we don't necessarily think it's a good idea. You maybe should stay, stay in today. And a couple of times, uh, one time in particular, they said, look, you know, we, we don't think you should you, you should go out today. Maybe you should just sort of stay home. I was like, yeah, 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 no problem. And I fucked off out the window and jumped over the fence. And when I, when I got back, they were like really grilled me. Like, you know, if you, just, you, know, if you ever do that again, you know, we're going to put you back in the hospital and shit like that. So when you're going out into the free world then, aren't you acting up, acting peculiar? Because you're, uh, so, well, you're on two, the meds. What no, med, no, what no. Meds got you on? So I was on, uh, well, at that time, they tried different stuff. So uh, initially it was like aripiprazole, then quetiapine. These are all antipsychotics. So aripiprazole, then quetiapine, um, and then obviously sodium valparate and um, mood stabilizers, that kind of stuff. And I don't really get on with them. You know, I'm obviously quite a lively person. I didn't like they subdue massively, some of them. The quetiapine especially, that was, 
you're like a fucking cabbage, man. You just sat there like really? a zombie. Your yeah, brain slows down. Is it, it slows down. You're dribbling. It's, like, dribbling. it's ho horrible, horrible drug. I didn't. Well, for me anyway, that was my personal experience. Some people might do all right on it, but yeah, it wasn't for me. But eventually, I got put on a, a drug called Spiridone, which is what I'm still on today, um, and uh, a drug called Epilim Chrono or Sodium Valparaiso, which is also known as. So I take those two now, um, and that obviously does does me good. Um, so what happened there was, this is what I was saying, there was two sides to this, because what happens then uh, was I was there for a while and I started getting better because they're making you take this stuff. So I got, then obviously they, they, you have no choice. So it's like, take it or we'll put you back in the hospital and then we'll make you take it. That, that's kind of the way it goes. And so you have no choice. So I was taking it and I remember one day I was walking to my car and I had just had complete clarity in my mind. I wasn't worried about anything. Everything was smooth. And I was thinking, this is brilliant. Like, this is over. It's over. I'm done. I realized at that point, I had this problem. This problem is now fixed. I've got no issues. Fantastic. Brilliant. And um, that was my downfall, believe it or not, because that made me go, well, I'm better. Don't need it anymore. So when I got out of Glenfield, so again, I was there for roughly nine months, that kind of mark. And when I got out of there, there were some interesting things happened in there. Like they would organize day outs and stuff like that. Uh, days out and like community shit. And oh, fuck me. There was one time they, uh, well, a few times this happened, but only one time it, it went really badly wrong was they organized a five-a-side football tournament, right? So bear in mind, so obviously everybody that in this five-a-side football tournament is a patient. Yeah, so they're, they're what they would call a service user. So you're using the services of the mental health community, yeah? So they arrange this football thing and we all get on the, uh, in like in a mini bus, we all go off to this football thing, right? Now, I don't know who fucked up or how they fucked up or what happened, but it did not go well because what they had was uh, all these different um, districts of mental health. So they would have, I guess, different counties turning up at this thing and each one had their own like team, yeah? So each one had like 10 players or whatever. So they must have been in between, I would say, 50 and 100 patients yeah out to, to each so to every 10 patients there was like two maybe three nurses right so you can see now the scale of this is massive yeah well fucking hell they obviously had no refs they had no no organization it was just like they'd book this pitch somewhere and they would just like turn up we'll organize it when we turn up right which is the worst thing you can do because myself included if you take away the structure and routine it's going to go bad really quick. And that that is relevant today. That's that's still the case today. That's, you know, I have to have that routine because I need to know what's coming. Because if anything turns up by a surprise, it sets me off, you know what I mean? So I, um, we're now like getting clumps of teams, right? So you're going to play that team, you're going to play that team, you're going to play that team, right? And then they say, uh, you know, whatever, you, whatever, you're going to be the ref, you're going to be a linesman, and they've got all these service users being the referees and the linesmen, right? So, now bear in mind, you've got schizophrenics, people with bipolar, other people with like, like just whatever, all these different conditions all muddled in together with little or no, like, control. <laughs> and it's just been thrown together. And and the, the, the match, it literally nearly turned into a fucking full-scale 
riot, right? And there was one dude in the corner just like making these demonic noises, like, oh, <laughs> just literally like this, yeah? The geezer that was the referee for our match, right, just was running up and down with a whistle, blowing it continuously, all right? Straight up, just constant stream of whistling. There was a, a another fella who was a referee on another uh, another pitch, which I was watching, and he was just running up and down screaming, Allah Akbar, right? And every time he did that, someone was running across from the other side of the pitch, running up to him, doing the sign of the cross above his head at the same time. And uh, eventually, this all sort of boiled, and someone headbutted somebody else. So uh, one, one patient walked up to another patient and headbutted him. Well, when somebody else saw that, the fellow in the corner that's like, like shouting, jumped in on it. So then there's people just bundling in, right? So as this is going on, there's some fellow in the corner running around in like his circles where he's panicking and it's just it's all going off and he got all these nurses bundling in trying to pull people apart. But obviously these people are not well, so they're panicking and there's like fists and kicks and headbutts and everything going all over the place. But yeah, eventually they, they managed to disband everyone and they're like, the geezer, the main fellow that had organised this was like, no, fuck this. Everyone get back on the buses where everyone's fucking going home. And we'd been there for about an hour and a half and it was meant to be a, a, an all-day event like nine till five or whatever and we've been there for it was about half ten in the morning and it had just completely collapsed on itself so wow yeah absolute madness really so anyway so that was that so at that time and bear in mind when that happened i was starting to get well like do you know what i mean i was feeling good i was feeling like pretty you know good about stuff and my mind is clearing and everything's okay and um so I decided to my, take it upon myself. Don't need this medication anymore. I'm fucking perfectly well. No problems. Um, everything's sort of calmed down. Everything's all good. Happy days. So I stopped taking the medication. Mm. So that was that. So I got moved from one place, which was... Uh, so I went from the hospital to Chatham Court, and then from Chatham to... No, sorry, not Chatham Court, sorry. I went from uh, the hospital to Glenfield, and then from Glenfield, there's another step down. So you go from the hospital, which is like secure, then you go to Glenfield, which is like um, kind of semi-secure lodgings. They kind of, you know, day-by-day -day basis, patient-by-patient -patient basis. And then there's another step down, which was a place called Chatham. Now, Chatham was, a again, exclusively mental health, but it was out in the community. So now you can come and go as you please, do what you want. You can go and get a job if you want to get a job. Uh, but it is supported in the aspect there's an office there. You can, uh, sorry, not in that building, but there's an office connected to it, which is literally, you know, a few hundred meters down the road. You can go to that office, get help, get support, whatever. You can do whatever you want. Um, but it, the, the support structure is very much still there. So there's six flats in Chatham. Now, in Chatham, it's exclusively mental health, as I said, right? The geezer next door to me uh, it, it was a schizophrenic dude, right? And the day I turned up, he knocked on my door and I opened the door and he goes, oh, Oh, you're still here? And I went, yeah. And he went, I thought everyone had gone to the moon. And I was like, no, no, mate, we're still here. And he was like, okay. Later that day, he set fire to his flat and set the fire alarm off and got arrested. I didn't see him for three months. So, you know, it's absolute madness, right? The dude upstairs uh, would be putting his washing machine on and, and all that kind of stuff, right? So this obviously is very disruptive, plus the fact that I was now stopped taking medication. So within three weeks... I was right back where I started, super paranoid, super aggressive, super heightened state, super uh, kind of uh, anxious and paranoid. So I'm up and down the stairs to this fella that's upstairs at the flat, banging on the door, telling him to shut up and so on and so forth. That flat later on got raided because it was a jump for a drugs um, gang from London. 
So I, and that was a mental health facility. So how, how the fuck that ever happened, I don't know. But it was carnage, absolute carnage. Um, and uh, so yeah, that was that. Anyway, um, and uh, so this then rolls into. So the, this is now obviously rolled onto like the following year now. So we're now in kind of May time. So it was the Champions League final. This all really, really bowled over for me. Um, we are in the my uncle's birthday at the same. I think it was my uncle's birthday, and we went to his house for a barbecue. So all the family's there. All right, so I was having a few beers there. Worst thing to do, obviously. Um, having a few beers. Went from there because it was Champions League final. All my friends were meeting up in the pub. Now I tell you now, every single one of my friends is probably going to watch this. So I'll say this now. I've literally got the best friends on earth because after I tell you this, you'll see why. So all of this now has happened up to this point. Now my friends have fully embraced me and it was a bit rocky after all this, uh, but they again, they've embraced me and it's they're, they're honestly the best friends in the world. And, I, and that's the only reason I am where I am today is my friends, my family and the support that I've had. So brilliant. Yeah, it's, I'm really lucky, really lucky. And I understand that. Um, so we go to the pub. Obviously, the, the drinking continues. The football's on so on and so forth well eventually obviously the, the day comes to an end and i'm drunk paranoid angry and everything else so we end up going back to my flat so my friends come back to the flat well i like basically just passed out and i hear my door dunk, shut well i tell you what sean if you ever see a light flick a switch go that's what happened to me because i at that very moment, it was, I went from being defensive to being, now I'm going on the attack. Because now, it I, I, it was literally, all bets are off, I'm fucking killing everyone. Because I've had enough of people following me, I've had enough of people trying to put cameras in my house, I've had enough of people trying to gather information on me, uh, and, and so on and so forth. I, it was just, all bets are off now, I'm fucking killing everyone. And so that, when uh, you say everyone, who do you mean? And anyone how, I, how I come gonna, into contact how, with. And how are you going to kill them? Uh, I had, <laughs> well, I had an axe in the uh, in the flat and I had um, some swords. So I was like, right, I'm going to get these swords and I'm going to fucking deal it. I'm just killing everyone because I just had enough. And it, it was just, it was like someone that had been bullied finally standing up for themselves. Like, that's kind of the only way I could really describe it because it was, I just went from defensive, defensive, defensive to right now I'm fucking going on the offense and now I'm fucking killing everyone. And that was like, that was my thought process. So anyway, I grabbed these swords. Again, for some reason, I like doing this. I'm in my pants, right? So I'm like, I'm like in my boxes or whatever. In your and boxes and you're going to go Braveheart with swords. Full on Braveheart, full on commando style. Yeah. So I go out the flat and I just see my two friends walking down the road. And then it broke my heart because I was thinking, why have you done this? Like, why have you done this? It just broke my heart because I just thought, I thought you were my friends. And what, what had they done? Well, in my head, they would. Be, the reason they were in my flat, which were they just were, but what I didn't know was, now obviously I know this now, they were just making sure I was all right. But they shut my front door. But I was thinking, well, you're the ones that's been trying to put cameras in there. Now you've just done it. And so it like broke my heart. So I was like, heartbroken about it but at the same time really fucking angry so i was like right no you're fucked you're fucking gonna die like, that's it like there's no fucking around you're dead so i obviously went up to them and challenged him and, and was just just really fucking let rip and, and, and you, you got no one to hide these swords you're just holding these swords no, i've just then. got these swords i'm just literally boxer shorts swords angry and just you know obviously I, I, are I just, the people out on the streets and stuff well this is about 
two o'clock in the morning. Okay. So, but it does go on a bit longer than that. So, I just steamed into them and just just really let them have it. And um, steamed into them verbally. Yeah, verbally. Yep, yeah, steaming to them verbally. And as I'm getting closer and closer, obviously they're backing off and backing off now. I won't say their full names. They know who they are. Yeah, these no, people. No real you know, names. they know they, they know who they are, and they were fucking terrified. Now, I I was not interested, obviously, uh, and and so as I'm getting closer to them, they're backing off, backing off, and they're trying to say to me, "Listen, look, we're scared. You need to stop. Like, calm down. We're not doing anything wrong. Uh, we haven't done this. We haven't done that." And I'm like accusing them of doing this and doing this, uh, and they're like, "Look, you know, this is this has not happened. Like, this is this is not what's going on. We're just trying to make sure you're right and so on and so forth." Well, as this is all going off, uh, obviously I'm getting more and more agitated now. So they phone another friend of mine to come and try and help the situation. So as we go and as we go to do that, we are walking towards. Um, uh, we go, sorry, like it's like it's a sort of long alley sort of thing where, where cars can come up and down like into the road, and they just basically got the opportunity and turned and ran. And there's other people. That must have been coming back from somewhere, and they told them that don't go out there because you know he's going fucking crazy, and you know it's not safe. Uh, well, as that happened, I obviously still wanted to pursue this, and carried on. And another friend of mine pulled in in, in his car. Now he had been in bed, but they had phoned him to wake him up. Uh, this is my best mate, and so he uh, again. I, I spoke to him since then. He was like, I don't. He said, I just saw you. He said you were like possessed. Like you were just possessed, you know, there was no talking to you. Like you just couldn't calm you down. Um, and I said, well, I'm going to go and kill the geezer upstairs then. So I can't get these fellas because they've gone. Now I'm going to go and kill him. And then he's obviously trying to talk me down just to stop me from doing that. And uh, as I'm going up the stairs, he's like, <laughs> he's, he made a bit of a joke about it afterwards. But he said like, uh, he said to me, Terry, give me them swords. I went, no. And he goes, okay. Fucking <laughs> like. <laughs> So he made a bit of a joke about it, but anyway, yeah. So I goes upstairs, and the dude upstairs, I was thinking, well, he's been doing my head in, so he's having it next. Right? How has so, he been doing your head in? Well, because obviously he's been making noise and stuff like that. But this is obviously a drugs flat, which I later found out. But it, he's obviously because he's probably fucking doing loads of drugs. He's up all night. And the washing machine, guy. washing machine man, yeah. So I, I bumped into him since actually, and that was quite a funny uh, incident. So um, I go back upstairs. So he's making a racket. By this time, I'd put my swords back. So now I put the swords back in the flat and I go back upstairs. With the intention to kill him with your bare hands? Just to just, I just wanted to smash everybody. Do you know what I mean? And so I just, I bang on the door and uh, he opens the door and he's got a little bit of faint music in the background. And I said to him, turn, turn the music off. And he joined said, fuck off. Shut the door. So I was like, okay. Banged on the door again. Polite as fuck. <laughs> Knocked on the door again. I opened the door. I said, I'll be back in a minute. All right. So I went downstairs and I thought, right, I got an axe down there. I'm going to chop the door down and just go in there. So I so, so I go downstairs. Now, bear in mind, all this time, I've got this like kind of, you know, devil and angel thing going on because my mate's there trying to talk me down all the whole time. So he, uh, which I now found out, decides. What's he saying to you at this point, you mate? He's just doing his best to talk me down. But I'm explaining to him, look. There's people outside with cameras. They've been out there. They're having barbecues as a facade because they've been filming me. The geezer upstairs making a racket to disguise the drilling because he's been putting cameras in. I found out that uh, my two friends, the ones that had legged it, uh, I found out they've just put cameras in my house. And basically, I've discovered the world against me and, and now I'm fucking taking my revenge. And that, and that was that was kind of my rationale for it. And he, he uh, just couldn't couldn't get through to me obviously you know the fact is it's like 
as real as it is you're sitting in this room right now it's as real as it is in my mind that all this has been going on so that that that's what i'm talking about there is no uh there is no um disguising it it's been happening it's real you know? how is your friend at this point man relating to you and you're not thinking that he's on it and you need to attack him how is he managing to keep is it that friendship that you've had for Dodgers? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. I, I don't know. That's a really good question. That's the one I've never actually asked myself. But he has been into some hairy situations because of me and not once have I ever turned on him. So count yourself lucky. <laughs> <laughs> it's like with Wildman. Um, I remember people ask me like, has Wildman ever turned on you? I remember he'd been up for about a week smoking crystal meth and crack. <laughs> and me and one of my other bouncers were in the front seat of the car. And this bouncer, I used to tell him wild man stories. He's, he's, and he's thinking, oh, he's, you know, you must be making these tales up and stuff. And when wild man came over, wild man just picked this bounce and just threw him up like he was a doll. Like mm. he was, you know, the strength in that. And he was like, yeah. So me and the bouncer in the front were called Bouncer Rosetti. And we see wild man in the back seat and he's just got this look in his eyes. Yeah. And he starts just looking at us and he goes, I know you guys are taking me out to the desert. Yeah, yeah. It, and the thing is, it's <laughs> that like, was the closest it got with him turning on me. He uh he he said to me since, like I was I was talking to him literally this week about it, and and we don't really talk about these things because it's just a part of our lives. Like we've experienced as we've been through, you know. Yeah. Like, I've known him 30 years, so it's like Hey, the amount of times he's turned up to places where it's just going off and he's like thinking like, what the fuck? You know, I, was, I was that guy for yeah. years with Wildman. Yeah, yeah, I would yeah. be the guy, things would be destroyed and everything. And I'd have to try and turn up and um, get him out of the situation and take him somewhere to camp. That, uh, that's basically, some Xanax. Yeah, he is my version of Wildman in that respect yeah. because he, um, that's right, he's you in this yeah, scenario, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, he, he uh, Another time he'd come up my flat and I'd convince myself, totally convinced myself that I was a monk and he and he just come in the flat and I'm like, oh, <laughs> and he's like, what the fuck are you doing? And I'm like, you know, I tell him like, and I said to him, uh, he, I found out about this, like, obviously I, I remember it obviously very well, but and that's the other bizarre thing is that when you get pissed or something like that and you do something, it's a blurry memory. Well, this is obviously very clear in my mind because you know, you're never drunk, you're just ill. So you, it's just as, you're sober, you know? At this point in your story then, have you been going on the tube telling people to turn the phones off? Is that later? Oh no, this is all every day. It's every day. I, I'll give you one example. I was in Trafalgar Square and um, some I walked by, obviously there's a lot of touristy stuff around there. So some fella, as I'm walking past, some fella took a picture and I just noticed it in the corner of my eye and I went straight out to him. I said, look, you don't delete that picture. I said, I will become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. And he was like, um, you know, I was like, I'm not, I'm not asking, mate. I'm being polite now. I'm going to tell you, you're going to delete it. Otherwise, it's going to go off. And so he literally went. I was like, all right. <laughs> and then I went about my day. And, you know, so this is an ongoing thing. So I'd get on the train. What does everyone do on the train? They get bored. They look at their phone. Turn your fucking phones off now. Anyone see anyone in this carriage with their phone on, I'm going to go fucking mental. And then people would just be like, you know it's, well, that probably did him uh, um, some good yeah maybe a little bit. but I would just get scared and paranoid that people were doing things with them phones I didn't like but you thought they you were know? recording you yeah I'd be in I've been in places you know where I'd be in a pub or something like that and I'd just be talking like this normal blah 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 have a conversation I said we'll get out of here why over there 
we gotta go. They're like, well, what's the problem? I'm like, listen, we gotta get out of here because this is, you know, I mean, there's people over there. They shouldn't, you know. And then before I know it, I'm like, got like an empty pint glass, and I'm like, right, if they get near us as we're on the way out, they're having this. And you, you saw know? me and Wildman that there was a situation with a pool ball, a snooker ball. Yeah, pool ball. Yeah, so uh, that was on the same uh, same evening as the the whole sword thing. Uh, as that was going off, a friend of mine said that uh, when I was in, I was getting more and more agitated, and there was someone at the bar I didn't like, so I picked up a pool ball, <laughs> just launched a pool ball, and uh, yeah, and very narrowly missed somebody, you know. But <sighs> this is what I mean. It's building up, and it's getting more. I'm getting more ang angry and agitated about these things, and um, it's. Uh, it's one of those situations where I'm now going on the offensive, you know? So, so you're about to get your axe and go back upstairs. Yep, just about to get the axe. So I go downstairs. I can't find the axe for, for the life of me. So luckily for, for, for them and for me, I guess, looking backwards, uh, I couldn't find the axe. So I go back up the stairs and thought, fuck it, I'll just do it my way hands. Um, as I do that, my friend now is gone because his wife, which I later found out, is on the phone to the mental health team or uh, whatever. And trying to get someone to come to the house. So they, they are being told there's no one to come. The only people that are going to turn up are the police. So at this point now, about six people have found the police because there's people around the houses where I lived. They have obviously heard a lot of this and they have called the police. Um, the My two friends have called the police. My uh, my best mate, who was obviously in, in the flat at the time, he's called the police. Uh, and obviously now his wife has realized that she's got to call the police. So... Um, and nobody, uh, well, everybody since then has said that they didn't want to, but they had no other choice. They, they have to get, obviously, me off the street. And I've told every single one of them, you did the right thing. You know what I mean? I, I needed to be gotten off the street. So I go back upstairs and bang, bang, bang on the door again. As they uh, open the door, bosh, just kick the door, kick the door through. And then I just start scrapping with a pair of them. Now, as I'm fighting with them, I'm getting a few punches in. And I'm just thinking, I need to get a knife. Like, because it's two and one, like, because I can't, you know, I'm not going to be able to fight these. And contrary to popular belief, although I was obviously a lot bigger, you don't have a lot of stamina when you're that big. So if anyone gets into a fight with someone that's that big, just draw it out because they'll get tired. <laughs> so I, um, I'm obviously conscious of the fact that I'll probably get tired at some point as well, you know. Uh, so I'm just just steaming into him. So I'm I'm having some uh, I'm landing some pretty good punches, but I'm getting punched at the same time. And as this is going on. The, what the geezer, uh, not the fellow that lived there, his mate does a bunk, so he runs. Well, as I stand up, as I stand up, I get a, like full on bang kick in the face. Uh, I fall back, and then the other fella runs back as well, so he's gone. So I think, right, well, there's no one left to fight, so I might as well just smash the flat up and then go. So I smash the flat up, completely annihilate the flat, go back down to my flat. Now, bear in mind, it's obviously a mental health building, right? So this is not good. I go back into my flat and I wake up the next day. So this, well, sorry, this is about four. So I then fall asleep on the sofa. Four in the morning. Roughly, give or take, yeah, four in the morning. The old bill turn up about an hour later, right? So they bow straight into the flat. They're in. So I've got these swords and I've got blood down me, right? And I'm thinking, well, I'm fucked, like, because I'm not getting out of it now because there's only one way out. It's a flat. There's only one way out. I've got to go out that door and I ain't getting past them lot. You know what I mean? So they said, give me the swords. So I said, look, I'm not going to do that because if as soon as I do that, you're going to jump me. And I said, so I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm having a fag. I want to brush my teeth and I want to put some clothes on and then I'll come out to the car but no one touch me because if you touch me, I'm going to go fucking mad, right? 
So luckily for me, the geezer that was in charge, he he um, uh, was quite sensible. And I said to him, like, what's going to happen now then? Like, what happens now? Or, or something like that, you know, because I'm thinking I'm fuck, I'm going in the dungeons. That, that's kind of my mentality. And I um, have, a, have a smoke. He lets me have a fag. Um, he gets me some jeans out of my room. <laughs> so... In my head, I'm thinking, well, I better wear my jeans. <laughs> right? So I go, as I'm going like out the room, I've obviously now ex exchanged this for swords. So now I've got no weapons at all. So I stupidly put myself in a situation where I'm like got a couple of people behind me, a few people in front of me, and I'm like trapped. So I go to open the door and I'm still not thinking. I go to open the door and they obviously are thinking, well, what's he going to get out of the cupboard? But I'm said, I got to wear my jeans. You know what I mean? So I'm just like I open it and trying to like get an iron, an iron board out, and uh, they that was it. Then bang, they all just jumped on me, but I couldn't even resist because there was just there was too many. So I got handcuffed, taken to the police station. Exactly the same thing happened again. They're like, look, you're wasting your time. There's no point in questioning him. The doctor came. Yeah, in. Yeah, doctor came out. There's no point in questioning him. And then they gave me a, a sedative, um, and that was it, man. I was in the cells from like f f six in the morning, five in the morning, something like that, to maybe ten o'clock at night. Which cells were these? Uh, this was in, um, I believe it was Reading. Yeah, in Reading. No cellmates. No, 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 no. This is like a, like a secure cell, like you know what I mean. So you're like in a paper suit, so you can't kill yourself. And stuff. I see. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. they put you in that paper yeah. mache stuff. Took all my clothes. Uh, took my shoes off me. Uh, so I'm, I'm thinking like I just got a. Like, I don't know what. I'm just. I'm thinking. To be honest with you, it's like panic. Like I feel like sick because I'm thinking. I'm never going to see my family again. I'm never going to see my friends again. I'm now going to be put in dungeons and just like experimented on. That's like kind of what's going through my head. And um, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, you know, and then uh, so from there, um, uh, I'll get them sent back to, I can't go back to Chatham. So they sent me, finger, I think I was sent back to Glenfield because then obviously that's then the next step up. So, but, they, but I can't go back to my house because obviously that's where everything's happened. And that's obviously got vulnerable people in it because it's a mental health facility. So I go, uh, I go back to, to Glenfield. And then from there, it was like, um, yeah. I, and then obviously you get straight back on the medication. They make you take medication and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's what happened there really. Um, yeah, so I was really lucky looking back on it, to be honest with you, that no one got hurt. And that's that's my biggest, like, the thing that I'm happiest about of all of this is the fact that I'm pleased that it happened because it needed to happen for me, to me, for me to have a normal life. Uh, I needed to get to that depth of, like, madness to, to actually realize I had a problem and it had to sink into my head that I've got a problem. So, uh, and there was, like, quite a big gap between me getting arrested. So the, the Champions League final uh, is in May. And I didn't go to court until the August. So there's a relatively big gap there. And the reason that was is, is because obviously I'm having to calm down. I'm having to get well again. Um, the whole time this is going on, you're constantly being assessed and stuff like that. So you're obviously having these reports and stuff done. And then all that's sort of drawn out uh, until you get to the point where you're starting to calm down. You know, some people take years, years to react to medication. Some people... Uh, like myself, it takes me a few months, you know, normally even a few months I can sort of get back down to earth sort of thing. Um, so yeah, so then obviously it leads up to the magistrate's court initially. Uh, magistrate were just like, now nah, fuck this, you know what I mean? That's going straight to Crown Court. Um, and then I, I, that was it. I just thought I'm going to prison because I, I'd calmed down and I was kind of semi-rational at that point. And, I'm, and, you know, I'd gone from Glenfield into my mother's place 
and I was sort of staying at my mum's. And um, yeah, I, I just I just thought that that's it. I'm, I'm I've, you know, it's it's kind of all blown up now. But then I kind of wanted to go to prison because I wanted to, like the challenge of it. You know what I mean? Um, uh, not 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 to like a survival challenge. I love routine. And that sounds fucking crazy. And anyone listening to this is probably thinking that's madness or, you, you know, he's talking bollocks. But I think prison, if I was in the right environment, it would do me good. Like not 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 the environment as in like hostile and stuff like that, but the structure and routine, I thrive on that. It's like bang, 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 bang every day. That would, you know, to you, it might be boring, but to me, it's, it's heaven because it's I know exactly what's coming all the time. And And to me, it surprises that's throw me off. You know, my biggest triggers are, are things that I don't know are happening, happening, and uh, stress. You know, those two things combined. That that's it. I'll it'll take a week, and now I'm straight. I'm stuffed. You know. So yeah, that was uh, kind of what happened there, really. Um, so what what happens then? You that you find out that you're not going to get sentenced to prison. Mm-hmm. So I go from the magistrates, and then I go into um, uh, from the magistrates. I get sent. They send that straight up to Crown. So a magistrate can only sentence you to up to two years, I believe. It might have changed now, but at that time, I'm sure it was two years. And so the magistrates were obviously thinking, you know, bear in mind, I'd attacked people with knives. Uh, and, and you know, it was bad. It was really bad. You know, there was... And this has all been reconciled now, luckily. Um, but uh, the uh, at that time, there was a couple of people made statements. Now, these were my friends, and I was really bitter about that. At that time, not anymore. At that time, I've taken responsibility for it now, because I had the attitude at the time of, I've got an illness, you know, I'm not doing this for profit or gain, or I'm not trying to get anything. I've got a condition, and now I'm being punished for it, and I was really fucked off about it. Uh, but now I realise, you know, I've got this illness. I didn't do anything to bring it on. It's just happened to me, but it is my responsibility. And so ultimately, that now enabled me, in a strange kind of way, to sort of forgive the fact that he'd made a statement against me. So the only reason that I got sent it to court, because I would have denied the whole thing, to be honest with you, at that time, um, had there not been any statement. But there was there was just, it was there in black and white, do you know what I mean? I was fucked. So I just went guilty as soon as I possibly could. Uh, even though I went guilty straight off the bat, the magistrates were just like, no, this is too severe to be dealt with here. This needs to go to Crown Court. So it went to Crown Court. Now, obviously, there's loads and loads of assessments at that time. Now, <laughs> luckily for me, at that time, they were sentencing the people for the. You remember the London riots? Yeah, yeah. So they were sentencing overcrowding a lot. Yeah, stuff, overcrowding yeah. and all that shit. So I didn't really think about it at the time, but now looking back on it, that's probably the one thing that saved me. Maybe I don't know. So we go up to Crown Court, um, turn up at the thing, and it's, it was Reading Crown Court. So that you know, you go through the big archway and so on and so forth. Um, go into Reading Crown Court, and I'm thinking, my uh, barrister gave me twenty quid and put it in my pocket and said, look. This is probably not gonna go your way, so make sure you, you've got that with you to put on your books. So I'm thinking, well, I'm fucked. So I said to him, you know, he, he said the maximum thing for this is like 12 years or something, or 10 mm-hmm. years or whatever. So with me, of my paranoid state, obviously I'm thinking like I'm fucked. Like I'm never getting out of this. And then um, he said, you need to expect kind of like four years. So I'm thinking four years. You know, at the time I was like maybe. 25 26 so i'm thinking well i'll be out before i'm 30 i might be able to start again and stuff um and then like i don't know what happened there was some divine intervention or something because we went into the court and the judge you know obviously when the judge comes in everybody has to stand up and the judge if i i 
I do want to try and find out actually how to get the details for the case because I would love to send the judge a letter because he actually used his brain. Do you know what I mean? Because he, everyone stood up when the judge came in and the first thing he said was, because my barrister had asked for a, um, a house arrest uh, to be uh, so I could be then obviously treated in the mental health system. And, and because there were so many reports going back years, I mean, I'm talking from when I was a kid, there was not a case of like some people get arrested and then assessed. For me, I'd been assessed for 15 years probably at that point and then been arrested. So it was like a long history of mental illness. And he kind of used that as, look, put him on house arrest, let him get the treatment, and then this will all calm down, you know? Um, but the judge, the first thing he said was, everyone stood up, he came in, uh, everyone stood up and he said, I'm telling you now, putting you on house arrest is not an adequate punishment. And I was thinking, I'll ask me fucked. And then literally in the next breath, he said, but I'm not going to put you in prison. So I was thinking, well, you can do whatever the fuck you want now then because I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm elated at this point. Uh, but at the same time, I, I wasn't scared of prison because I, I thought the routine would do me good. I thought the routine, I'd, I honestly thought if I go to prison within a month, I'll, I'll, I'll fit into the routine. You know what I mean? That, that was my logic at the time. Um, and um, yeah, so that, that was it. So uh, in the end, he sentenced me to two years, uh, two years probation, and then, uh, sorry, two years prison, suspended for two years, two years um, probation, and then two years mental health supervision order. So that's that's what I got. So the mental health supervision order really was what kind of um, uh, what is still really ongoing, to be honest with you, because I don't think people want to sign it off, which I don't mind. You know, it is what it is. It's you know, I don't think I'd want to take responsibility for that either. Do you know. So, so were there any more incidents after that? One, one. Um, so I kind of at that point, right? So bear in mind, at that point now, the shit is really at the fan for me. I've seen a lot of. Really nasty shit. I've seen a lot of people that were categorically ill, really ill, born and and um, just they're never going to have a normal life because they're so ill, schizophrenics and and people with mood disorders and stuff like that where they're just never going to have a normal life. And I started to really see this. And, and as I got better, I kind of acknowledged it more because the one thing that you don't have in that, uh, when you're in that frame of mind is the ability to see other people's problems or emotions because obviously you're so wrapped up in this fantasy world um, that you, you can't see it. So as I started getting better, I started to see other people's problems, started seeing, thinking, well, what about that guy? And what about that guy? And what about that girl over there? And what about that girl over there? And, and I started to, there was a lot of people that were really ill and I started to realize, well, I'm not causing any ruckus right now. I'm I'm well. And so I I guess if I keep myself well, I am not going to, be taking appointments and taking, uh, I can get a job and I can be functional and I can actually provide something to somebody and give something back. And um, so I kind of promised myself that I would do everything I can to help myself and therefore vis-a-vis -vis indirectly help those people as well because I'm not taking from them, if that makes sense. I'm not taking any services or time from anybody, you know? And then uh, um, I did have one blip so to speak um and that was years later i uh, i was married and well i'm married obviously i've been married once to a very wonderful woman by the way i uh uh and decided i said to her look i needed my wife's a nurse right so she obviously understands clinically as well as personally about all this stuff and um i 
said, look, I need a break from this medication or at least to reduce it or whatever, you know, because it's very, you live in this kind of blinkered world. You know what I mean? It stops your emotions going that high or going that low. So for someone like me, it's good, but it does sometimes get on top of you. So I said, okay, that's it. I'm, I'm not going to take medication or I'm going to reduce it or whatever. And she was like, well, I don't know if that's a good idea. And I said, well, at the end of the day, you know, this is this is what I'm going to do. And I was quite sort of bull-headed about it. And I said, oh, I just say I'm, I'm not going to take it. Within three weeks, I punched someone in the face at work. Uh, I jumped in the car, uh, half drunk, uh, got chased by the police, and I had to do a bunk to someone else's house until like two in the morning. <laughs> Within three weeks. Right, let's slow down. Let's go back. Where are you working and who did you punch and why? So... I was working in a garage. I don't want to say where, uh, but I was working in a garage, a, a, a mainstream garage that everyone would know. Uh, and someone was irritating me, and they how? Uh, I don't know. I, I just, just literally, that I just didn't like the way they were behaving, and they're on their phone a lot, which obviously sets me off anyway. And it, it just bothered me. And I kept telling them, you know, you need to stop doing that around me. And he just wouldn't listen. So one day, I just seen him, and he must have been writing a text message or something. And as I went past bang and just let him have it and um yeah i just give it to him and and uh obviously that that employment come to a very sharp ending um that night after that happened uh i went home uh and then uh jumped in the car and i had a super impressive at the time so i thought right i'm gonna keep this car because it's super fast and anyone chases me i can get away so that was like my logic and uh yeah, I, I ended up having a few beers, which again, I don't really drink these days at all, to be honest. Um, uh, I'll have a beer every now and then sometimes or a shandy or something, but that's about it really. Uh, but because I wasn't well, I was getting unwell. And then I, I went out and had a few beers, jumped back in the car. The police, uh, obviously I was driving erratically. The police come up behind me and I just bang, I just went and I just literally bought the car. And I knew the person I'd bought it from. So I went to his house and said, don't be telling them if the police come here. Because the car, I didn't think the car changed names at that point. And so I went to his house and said, listen, if you don't, 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 don't tell them that I've, uh, you know, bought this car. Just tell them you sold it, but don't tell them you sold it too. Because that's not going to end well for you. You know what I mean? And he was like, no, no, that's fine. You know, from you know, worries, whatever. So, um, I ended up going to another friend's house until like two in the morning or one in the morning or something because I was thinking, well, if they are going to come around, they're going to come around pretty sharpish. Uh, but luckily, that, that was the end of it for me. They'd, they'd never heard of it. And my wife, the next day, she literally, I was sat on the sofa and she literally got on her knees in front of me and said, look, please take this medication because this is just going to go really wrong. Were there any charges filed from those incidents? No, 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 from not from that. No, no, the not from that. didn't file. No, no, I didn't do nothing. No, no. Again, it's just, uh, I think, it, it, you know, you start to build up, get more erratic, and, and, and people don't, they don't want no part of it, you know? So what year was that then? That was in, what were we in now? 2019, so that must have been 2015, maybe? 2015, around that kind of mark. Yeah. So how, yeah. how's things going now? Perfect. Uh, I've got a really good life, mate. Um mm. And, and I, you know, a testament to everybody that's helped me along the way. I, I said, testament to, I literally would not be what I am and who I am and so on and so forth if I had not or had all this input. Because I've had my money out of the NHS, <laughs> believe me. And I've, you know, and any money that I've put into our social systems, <laughs> I've definitely got back out. Um, and, you know, there's some char key characters in my life, you know, um, my powerlifting coach. 
yeah, sometimes I think he's just as mad as I am, but he uh, he's an absolute, you know, he's become an absolute mentor for me, really. Um, uh, a couple of my really close friends, you know, all my friends that were involved in these these kind of instances that happened, they've all stuck by me. So I've got that concrete kind of support. You know, I, I'm wise enough now and I've learned enough that I engage with the mental health system when I have to. I was there on Tuesday. Um, uh, but I just try and do my best to keep myself fit. You know, I obviously go to the gym a lot and um, I, I keep myself uh, in a situation where I don't, I, I don't put my I don't put myself in situations. So I used to like I'll give you an example. So I used to put myself in situations that I didn't know were going to set me off. Mm. So I'll give you an example. So when I went to uh, a wedding, too many people there. I don't like crowded places. So there's too many people there. Uh, people are drinking. They become erratic. They you know what I mean that kind of stuff, and that sets me off because I it's, I, don't, I don't like it. Uh, and then I would act out before you know it. You've had a fight or something. You've ruined someone's night. But I would think to myself before I went, if I don't go. I'm being unreasonable. I'm being unfair to these people because it's their day, it's their wedding or it's their birthday or whatever. And I would think to myself, if I don't go, it's not fair on them. They've invited me, I should go. Now I think if I go, I'm going to cause a problem so I'll stay at home. And over the years, I've realized they're more grateful for that. <laughs> you know? So um, life is good, mate. Life is really good. So even at the peak of these incidences, were you maintaining your workout discipline? Oh yeah, to yeah, keep that yeah. Body size up. Yeah, well, yeah, but you got to bear in mind, not just that. Um, you know, that was my defense. You know, so that you know, I, there's a lot of people out there that use that strategy. You know, um, and it, you know, I boxed for a long time before that, and so I would just the bigger and stronger I was, the easier it was for me to uh, overpower and um, control situations. You know, at the end of the day. Uh, even even though I've been there and done it myself, if I was sat on the train and some dude that's like 18 stone said, listen, mate, put your fucking phone down. I'm going to snap your neck. You'd be like, all right, I'll put my phone down. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's kind of, you know, that that is, it sounds mad logic, but it, it makes sense. It does work. So that's about 260 pounds, isn't it, for the Americans, 18 yeah. stone. Give or yeah. take, yeah, 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 yeah. Give or take. It's, um, and, you know, like I said, it, all you've got, you know, the, Look, I kind of one of the other reasons like I, I wanted to do this and, and agreed to do it was the fact that it shows you no matter how bad it gets, you can turn it around. Yeah, you know I've got a normal life now, normal life. I got a wife, I got a house, I got a dog, I got I got you know uh, I, it's it's a normal. No, you know people that live in my street don't know about this. You yeah, know what I mean they, they, I've just got a, I'm a normal fella, you know. If I stop taking what I'm taking, the medication and stuff, I'm not going to be a normal fella and. You know, I stopped exercising and I started drinking loads. It's all going to go fucking wrong again. You know what I mean? And, that, and that's kind of what I've, I've realized, you know? Did you enjoy having lunch with Wildman? Oh, mate. To be honest with you, Wildman, I didn't know what to expect, but he's a gentleman, isn't he? Really? <laughs> he, he is a gentleman, but you can see on his face that you think, I'm not going to upset this fella because he's a fucking mad cunt. You know what I mean? <laughs> But no, he is absolutely yeah. He was he was a good mate. He was he was a good fella. Yeah, I like Wildman. Yeah, I want to see more from Wildman actually. There's going to be more. Yeah. So people watching this then who are going through mental health issues and have related to what you said, have you got anything you would like to say to those people? Yeah, for definite. You know, help yourself, um, and understand that the problems that you're having or going through. See, there's a lot. That's the other thing with mental health. I think people that have got like the problem that I've got. You can't rationalize it. And so mainstream, I, from my personal experiences anyway, people can't relate to it. Because how can you, like my wife says to me sometimes, you never really talk about what's going through your head. Well, how can you say to someone, 
It's gonna have a fellow over there. Yeah. I think he's fucking poisoning the water, man. Yeah, do you know what I mean? <laughs> let's go and fucking let's go and talk to him about it. Let's go and have it out with you. It doesn't make sense. People are just—it's madness. And so there's a lot of stuff out there, you know, like the "you okay, mate" kind of thing. That is largely, in my opinion, like based around things like about depression because people can relate to that. But when you're going through psychosis, madness—it it, you can't relate to that. People can't rationalize it now, you know? And and I kind of make a joke about it with friends and family and stuff like that. And, you know, one of the DVDs that I got for Christmas uh, at that time when all that happened was The Last Samurai. So it was like, you know, people make a joke out of it. But when you're going through it, you know, my message to those people would be help yourself. You know what I mean? Don't drink. Exercise. Get yourself a routine. Reach out and accept all the help that is out there because there is a lot out there and people do care. Yeah, know? speaking of help that's out there, if you are going through something mentally right now and you are in the Guildford area, or this extends into Hampshire as well, um, I'm actually the patron of a mental health charity called Oakleaf. And Oakleaf do a variety of things, been over there, um, ranging from yoga, woodwork, crafting, um, all kinds of holistic activity, playing instruments. They got a band over there and stuff like that. So I'll put the link for Oakleaf in the description box below this video if anyone local here down um, in the Guildford area needs some help for what they're going through uh, right now. And is there any way that people watching this video can help you, Terry? Um, well, to be honest, mate, as I said, life's pretty good for me. The only, um, I would like to get into um, mental health services in some capacity, you know, helping people out. Uh, in what form, I don't know. Um, but uh, I, I, one thing I can do is give people your solid advice, you know, because I, I have really been in some, you know, we are kind of a funny stories and stuff about all this stuff. But, you know, I've been through the, the wars with this and I've come out on top, you know what I mean? And and I think that that really is because of that. I've got some good advice for people, do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and I've got no formal qualifications to do mental health, obviously. But at the same time, you know, if someone is struggling, you know, I, I've genuinely, you know, reach out do you know what i mean I how, would, anyone, how could you know? people watching this video contact you what would be your preferred method by email by uh yeah i mean that's probably the easiest thing email because then we can obviously swap contact details and stuff like that yes that's do you want me to put your email in the description box below yes please video? yeah 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 okay. so, yeah yeah we'll do that that's that's fine but please okay. reach out you know anything at all um obviously i understand the mental health system inside out back to front and left right and center so even if you're not sure where to turn to ask me i can tell you where to go it's, it's no issues um and obviously, I'm in contact with a lot of professional people that will be able to tell me if I even don't know the answer, you know. So don't don't struggle, you know, don't struggle. And and the problem with um, this type of illness, you know, I've experienced it myself. There still is, unfortunately, the stigma. You know, I've had instances where I've like been in employment where you don't want to tell anyone. But... If you do tell people in your employment, it does make your life easier, you know? I'm yeah. lucky because I've got a trade. I'm, I'm a skilled tradesman, so yeah. I, I've always fallen back on myself. I know how to make money off my own bat, you know what I mean? I can buy a car that's got problems, fix it, and sell it for profit, so I'm lucky. Yeah. But I've met a lot of people in terms of employment that don't have any qualifications, they don't have any skills to offer, and so they're, they're, they're double-fucked. because And yeah. all that does is financially adds more stress onto them which then obviously exacerbates the, the mental health problem. Right. You know, so it's just a snowball effect. You yeah. know, it just gets worse and worse. And, and 
you know, they start getting down on themselves and, and before you know it, they're, they're in the same situation that I was. Yeah. You know? It's such a big deal right now of all the people committing suicide and everything in the country. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's, it's tragic, mate. It's, and at this day and age as well, you know, it's, it's, it's really tragic. And I think that, um, as a whole, the mental health services are slightly underfunded, but I think there's a hell of a lot of charities out there. Uh, there's a lot of stuff online. Um, th th there are people out there to help, you know, and it's just about how to access their help. And a lot of the people that I've met personally, the problem is when you're when you're kind of very ill, you, it's very difficult sometimes to help yourself. Mm -hmm. And so even sometimes reaching out is is a difficult thing to do, you know. Throughout your entire life, then, did you get to the point where you thought about killing yourself? Oh yeah, I mean several times. I mean, uh, it, it, it's part and parcel. Is it? It's part and parcel. You, you can't you can't be like that without thinking. You know, okay, imagine this, right? So. Yeah. You asked me whether I've been in a situation where I thought about killing myself. Everyone's against you. You're being pursued by what you perceive to be like, I don't know, government agents or something are going to try and trap you in a dungeon. Uh, your friends are plotting against you. Everyone you meet is trying to record or video you. Uh, you can't go out in public without being paranoid about anyone and everything. What would you do? You think your life's like, not worth living, is it? You think that, yeah. Yeah, yeah I can so understand where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean... It, it's it's part and parcel, unfortunately. You know. So what stopped you from actually killing yourself? <sighs> Honestly, probably being arrested and stuff like that because mm. I was forced, forced to get help. Yeah. I wasn't. I didn't have to reach out for it. It was forced upon me. Yeah. And so that's the other thing, you know. As like I said, I look back on all this with gratitude because if I hadn't, I don't know where I would be now if I hadn't had the support that I've got. Honestly, I don't know. The worst case scenario, someone would have been really and I'd be in Broadmoor. So you credit the authorities and the mental health team for saving your life. That's nice. I think in America, you know, a guy running down the street, big guy running down the street with a sword, police might have just come out and shot you. So yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The compassion shown, the understanding shown in this country. Um, it's great that uh, the authorities and the mental health people have, have done that work for you yeah no, absolutely yeah. you know one thing I, I think we still need to work on uh what we do like when i when i went into court when i went into that situation i was very lucky that the judge obviously put two and two together and come up with the right answer and and realized that wasn't a good thing to, to put me through yeah um and it was not going to serve any purpose because when i came out if i was in prison i don't i, I may not have received a certain amount of care i would have got worse maybe i'd hurt someone in prison yeah. when i come out of prison I'd have just gone through this traumatic event, so therefore I'd have been worse when I come out. So, you know, it wasn't going to serve any purpose. There was, yeah. there was absolutely no point to it. Yeah. When I was going to the probation, even when I was in the probation office, they were saying, look, this is, this is pointless. I'm wasting my time. I'm wasting your time. This is a total drain on resources. This is pointless. And yeah. to be honest with you, the probation officer was almost like, yeah, fair enough. You know what I mean? He didn't really ask me to do anything or force yeah. me to do anything. And um, it was a complete waste of time. But, you know, as an example of that, one of the things I had to go through was a, a victim awareness course, right? Uh, so I got put in, in, in this building. So we're in this building and uh, there's like, I think maybe eight people in a group. Mm -hmm. And what we were supposed to do is talk about what we'd done and how it affected the greater community. Now, I later had to do this again because of what happened in the first time. So... We're in this this room and we're going around the room and some one dude had like just come out of prison for assault, another fellow had come out of prison for like a burglary or something, another fellow had battered someone. And as we're going around the room, we're having to say what we've done, how we think it affected the community, uh, 
and then it kind of like went around the room like that and it's obviously to give you an understanding of you know if me and you have a fight right now it might be an old lady next door that uh hears about that and now she's scared to go out so mm -hmm. it affects her even though it's not to do with her it's obviously affecting her yeah. so as we go around the room one of the fellas in the room says I, I think his name is craig all right and if i knew his full name and address and everything i'd fucking say it right but i i don't know it uh but i don't know it but i tell you what he got his comeuppance because as we went around the room he said oh my name's craig uh but i don't want to say what i've done so bear uh, in mind you've got uh, a room full of uh, sort of semi-violent offenders or violent offenders not a pedophile or something pedophile uh, so he the guy who's running the course says look you know it's part of the part of the thing for us for you to understand what you've done you need to at first you know accept what you've done yeah. so he had abused a kid well secondly come out of that two of the fellows that were there jumped on him and started battering him yeah all right so that was it i mean they were really filling him in as well proper fucking letting him have it and um the guy who was running the course was part of the probation service and he went to there's like a panic button in there because mm -hmm. this was held at a probation office so there's like a panic button on the wall well as he's going to reach for this button someone else bear hugged him and pulled him away so he couldn't so these two were just really smashing him in and um i was just sat there like what the fuck? like do you know what i mean i was thinking well fair enough he deserves that like give it to him but at the same time you know, I don't want to get involved with this because this is like not my scene. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they, they're, they're smashing him in. Eventually, this dude wriggles loose, bang, pushes the panic button. Um, obviously, a load of people flood in. It gets broken up. Well, this fellow was on the deck and he was in a right state. Mm. Now, the reason I tell you this is from a mental health point of view, how is that doing me any good? Mm. What has that done for me in terms of mental health? You're putting someone in that situation. What, is, what purpose has that served? You knew full well that I... I'd gone through this. I obviously was a mental health patient, and now you put me in a situation like that. It doesn't make any sense, you know. It doesn't serve no, any purpose. So no. I understand I had to be punished for what I did, but at the same time, if you're talking about the great community and turn and, and rehabilitation and all the rest of it, how is that serving any purpose? Yeah, it's just a waste of resources, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Bureaucrats, mismanagement. There's good people in a bad system sometimes. Well, I deserve to be punished. You know, I accept what I did, yeah. um, but. I, I, to be honest with you, I, seeing something like that, there's other people I'd met in the mental health service that if you put them in that situation, they may or may not end up going hurting themselves because they couldn't cope with that. Yeah, you yeah, know? So, yeah, yeah. All right, so if you've enjoyed the video today, if you've got a question or a comment for Terry, put it in the comments section below this video. Please give it a like. If you are going through an issue, Terry's kindly allowed us to put his email in the description box below this video. If you want to reach out if you've got a question about the system or you're going through something um you know by all means send him an email and um you know thanks thanks for coming along today brother yeah, 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 yeah. take it easy yeah, man yeah yeah great